0: I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, Matthew chapter 28. And some of you are thinking, as I say that, wait a second, Ross, that's where we were last week. Uh, And guess what? You're absolutely right. And we're going back there again this morning, um, and I'm not preaching the same sermon, but you're going to hear some similar things. And here's why, okay? Because... um, our hope in this short series, okay, and I'm not exactly sure how much longer we will continue along these lines, but um, our hope in this series as, as elders has been to, in the new year, kind of reset and refocus. And uh, we got away, as I said last week, early in December, to just kind of talk in this season and really uh, pray together, discuss together, who are we? And who do we want to become? What is our uh, reason for existence? What is our specific DNA? What is the main thing that we're about? And so over the course of these weeks, we're trying to remind ourselves, uh, be inspired again to be reminded of the main thing, okay? So uh, this, is a, this is a message that... Uh, I hope, is not just another message, okay? I mean, if you're here throughout the year, you know, you're going to hear 50, 52 different messages throughout the year. I mean, most of you are here 50 weeks a year, right? 52, some of you. Uh, you're going to hear messages every week, okay? But I don't, I don't want you to think about this message and even this series as just another message, Okay? Now, preachers say that all the time. Like, hey, this, re- listen up, because this really is the main one, right? But I'm saying, this is really the main thing, okay? This is this is really it. This is where we want to focus. This is what we want our heartbeat to be about, okay? And it's it's fitting that as we're doing this, John is getting ready to go do what he's doing, because I want to argue that... What John does professionally and what John does around the world, okay, is more similar than different than what we all need to be doing wherever God sends us, okay? And it's based right in this passage here uh, that we're going to look at again this morning, and we're going to take some detours, okay? Um, But this is not just another sermon. This is to be the calling of our lives, okay, okay? And it's not just something that the pastor ought to be about or the professionals ought to be about. It's something that we're all to be about. Okay, I think I'm beating this dead horse. I can see it in your faces, okay? But you are not, okay, you are not just an audience that I'm giving a message to. We are an army of ambassadors, and that you are not just spectators to a show or a performance or some inspirational, you know, hour. You are not just spectators up in the stands. You are actors in the drama that God is unfolding. You're players on the team, okay? The great commission, one pastor has said, is ought to more correctly be called the everyday commission. It's been called the Great Commission. It's a great commission, but it's something that we're all supposed to be about. Okay, so let me continue to drive this nail home uh, this morning as we read these verses. And I want to invite you to read them along with me. You did such a good job earlier on that prayer. Read, these, uh, read along with me here. I believe we have uh, beginning in verse uh, 18. Okay, here we go, Matthew 28, beginning in verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, okay, let's start over again because some of you weren't you know, on your mark, get set, okay? Here we go, verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is God's Word. Amen. Right? Okay. We've heard that. We heard that last week. We read it again uh, today. The main imperative here, the main command that Jesus gives, some of his last words to his followers, the main command here is to make disciples. Make disciples. And last week we talked, we defined the word disciple, and we said just in a generic term, what does the word disciple mean? You're you're shy. That was rhetorical. Uh, the main, the main definition, disciple means a learner, a student. Thank you, Diana. Uh, a disciple is a student of someone, a learner, a pupil. And so we said last week that if we are followers of Jesus and we're to make disciples, that means we are to make students or learners of Jesus. Which means uh, you don't just enroll for a few weeks. That following Jesus, making disciples, we are ongoing learners. We're following Jesus. We're learning of him. I said last week that we, uh, a disciple is one who is covered in the dust of his rabbi. Because he's following so close after his rabbi that the dust of the first century is, is in his face. He's following so closely. She's following so closely. A disciple is a learner. And so if we're Christians, if we're followers of Jesus, we have a life ahead of us of learning and growing as Jesus' followers. I want to offer you a second uh, definition, just a simple definition of discipleship this morning. That is making disciples means helping others follow Jesus. Okay? Simple enough, clear enough for us. Making disciples means helping others follow Jesus. So we can all do that. We're all called to do that, even if you are a brand new follower of Jesus. If you're a brand new baby Christian, you can at least tell someone what Jesus has done for you. You can help others follow Jesus. And we may be at different places, and we may have different giftings, and we may have different callings, but all of us are on this journey of making disciples where we are helping others follow Jesus. So I want to ask a few questions of you from this passage this morning, going back to it here as we think about this. Uh, And go ahead and put the full passage back up there, Kyle. Thank you. Uh, And you know how... uh, When you were in school, you had the textbook and the teacher, you know, said the answers are in the back of the book. Well, in this case, the answers are in the front of the book. The answers are up here, okay? So they're in the passage. So basic Bible study lesson here. Uh, You open your Bible and you ask the Bible questions and it gives answers, okay? If you ask questions of it, you can find answers. So question number one is this. uh, How much authority... Does Jesus have? All. Very good. See, you were looking in the textbook. Good job. How much authority does Jesus have? He has all authority. Second question. Who are we to make disciples of? All the nations. Very good. There's going to be a repetition here in all these questions. You'll you'll catch on here about question three, okay? How much authority does Jesus have? He has all authority. Who are we to make disciples of? All the nations, okay? So as followers of Jesus, we have a heart, not only for our neighbors, but even for the nations. God has expanded our hearts and minds to care about his great world, okay? All the nations. Uh, Thirdly, How much are we to teach them to observe that Jesus commanded? Teaching them to observe everything, or this translation, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded them, right? So you see the pattern here. Fourthly, how long will Jesus be with us as we undertake this mission? I am with you always, right? All, 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 always. Now, the final question won't be in these verses, but it will be up a couple verses above if you're looking in your Bible there in your lap. And that, the question here is, who is Jesus giving this command to? Yeah, if you go back up to verse 16, it says that the eleven gathered. Jesus is giving this command to make disciples to who? To disciples. Jesus is giving a command to disciples to make other disciples, okay? And that's the principle, again, that disciples of Jesus make other disciples of Jesus. Now, we get kind of turned around the axle on this, because when we think about making disciples, most of you, if you're like me or most people that I talk to, when you think about this process of discipleship, okay, discipleship being the the process, the the verbial part of making disciples, right, when we think about discipleship, most of us think about a form or a certain style of making disciples, okay, okay? You follow me? So when you hear the command, make disciples, most of us, like you you kind of dream up in your head a recipe or a style or a format by which to do that, okay? You automatically go to a style. Oh, make disciples. That means that I learn a bunch of memory verses and I get quizzed on them in Sunday school and I get stickers if I memorize all the verses for the week, right? That's a form of discipleship, okay? Or others of you may think, oh, discipleship, that's, that's where I meet with a mentor one-on-one every week, and we go through this uh, Bible study called 10 Steps to Christian Maturity, and we sit one-on-one every week over a cup of coffee or lunch, and, and that's what discipleship means, Some of you, for others of you, the style or form that may come to your mind is you're like, oh, uh, discipleship. That means I go to this Discipleship uh, Foundations of the Faith or Discipleship 101 class. And I go through this class so that a teacher disciples me. Okay? So that's your picture of what discipleship looks like. Why am I saying this? I'm saying this. Because all of us come with our own experience and our own definitions of what making disciples should look like. But here's the point that I want to drive home. There's one command to make disciples, but there's 101 different forms or styles by which to do that. You follow me? And we tend to gravitate towards stylistic things rather than keeping the main thing the main thing which is the command or the function to make disciples. So how do we make disciples? Well there's 101 different ways and some of them I just listed for you and others I we could go on and on about different styles or forms by which to make disciples. But the point is are we making disciples? are we making disciples? I'm not asking what style we're using or what formula you like. I'm just saying, as a church, are we becoming and are we making disciples? Because if we're not, if you and I are not growing as disciples and you, are not, you and I are not growing as disciple makers, are we really doing what God has called the church to do? And I would say, No, we're not. If we're not growing, if we're not learning, if we're not deepening in our love for Jesus and our love for others and our growth, and we're not helping others grow, then we are missing the mark of the target that God has called us to. And so again, our emphasis as a church has to be on making disciples. And that means each of us helping others follow Jesus. So that could be people that don't yet follow Jesus, right? People you go to school with, people you live next door to that are not yet followers of Jesus, we wanna help them follow Jesus. Typically we call that evangelism or sharing the gospel, right? But it's, it's discipleship, Step one, helping people come to know and follow Jesus. We said last week, but we don't want to just make converts. We don't want people to just make decisions or get fire insurance. We want to grow. We want to be learners. We want to be students, ongoing followers of Jesus. So it's not just helping people cross the line of faith to become Christians and to become disciples, but we want to help disciples, ourselves and others, grow in that discipleship. Amen? And prerequisite for that making of disciples, prerequisite of that, step number one is growing as disciples ourselves, right? So turn with me back to the left in your Bibles to from Matthew chapter 28 to Matthew chapter four, verse nineteen, and yes, we've got it on the screen also. Matthew four nineteen. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry when he first starts this discipleship process with his original followers. Okay, and you'll see in Matthew four nineteen, he's kind of walking uh, beside the beside the lake here, beside the Sea of Galilee, and and verse nineteen, he sees some fishermen, Peter and Andrew, in verse nineteen. It says this. It says, and he said to them, to Peter and Andrew, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, this is another way of saying the same thing. But look at the invitation that Jesus gives them follow me and I will make you fishers of men. What's the prerequisite to make fishers of men? To follow Jesus yourself, right? Peter, Andrew, I'm going to make you fishers of men, but first the pre the prerequisite is first of all that you follow me. And they begin. The next verse says, immediately they left their nets and followed him. And then, very quickly, they began getting others to come and follow Jesus. So it's not hey, go and get other people before you start following yourself, is Jesus saying, you follow me first. And as you follow me, I will make you a fisher of men. But prerequisite, number one, is you got to follow me. And this is very similar to what we said last week where when some people came up to Jesus and they said, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? What did Jesus say? Read your Bible? Go to church? What's the greatest commandment according to Jesus? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Follow me. Follow Jesus. Develop and grow in your love For Jesus, love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. To make disciples, we gotta first of all be disciples, right? To make followers of Jesus who love Jesus, we have to first of all love Jesus ourselves, right? So, how are you doing? as a lover of Jesus how are you doing as a follower of Jesus who can then be a fisher of men or a fisher of women follow me and i will make you fishers of men now as a church we've we've identified kind of four main ingredients four main strategies by which we can grow in love for Jesus or, as we've said, centering lives on Jesus. If you could put that up, Kyle. And those four things that can help us grow in our love for Jesus, our genuine community, being with other believers, coming together like this for worship, where we're reminded, where we sing, where we hear the Word of God, Will help us center our lives on Jesus, grow as followers of Jesus. Also, biblical teaching. As we hear the Word of God, the scriptures, Paul says that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. How do you grow in faith? You get the Word of God in you. You do that with other believers, you do that through worship. And you also grow in love for Jesus by doing something, by serving, by being involved in mission. All those things. Our ingredients, our strategies, if you will, to help you and I grow in love for Jesus. Because, as we said last week, we can we can have a bumper sticker on our car. We can have great attendance at church. We can be born in the South. We can even know some scripture and some Bible verses. But if we don't have hearts that are soft and growing more and more in love with God and therefore in love with others, then we're missing the mark. We're just being religious. And the call of Jesus is not to be religious. The call of Jesus is to love him and to help others love him. And follow him. Amen. That's what we are to be about. There's another uh, emphasis of this that we believe is important as disciples of Jesus. And that comes from Matthew chapter 22. I said it just a minute ago. But in that great commandment where that teacher comes up to or that lawyer comes up to Jesus and asks the greatest commandment. Jesus replies and he says, The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right? What is Jesus saying right there? He's saying, The greatest commandment is to love me completely. Or is I like to say, love me holistically. Love me comprehensively. Love me with everything you have. Not just with your time on Sunday morning. Not just by memorizing some Bible verses. But love me with everything you have. And he says here, heart, soul, mind. And if you look in Mark's version of this, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. In that version, he adds strength. And I don't think Jesus here is trying to divide us between mind and soul and heart and define all those things neatly. And what is my strength? Is that my body? But I think the main point that Jesus is making is is love me with everything you have comprehensively, holistically, with every part of you, love me and grow in your love for me. Now, I'll admit that in 2020, uh, I have not yet been to the gym, okay? Uh, But I have, but it's still January, and I do work out occasionally, uh, but I haven't been to the gym. But my experience is uh, if you're like me, you've been to the gym occasionally, and for some of you, I'm looking at you, and it's been a really long time, okay? <laughs> uh, but tell me if when you've gone to the gym, you've ever seen this guy at the gym right here. This guy. You ever seen a guy like that? <laughs> a guy that's just huge upper body, but we call him in high school, we call him chicken legs, right this is the guy at the gym who's the chicken leg guy and he's he spends every minute and every hour at the gym on upper body he's doing biceps he's doing chest he's doing shoulders he's doing back he's doing everything except his legs you've seen this guy right i was going to put a real picture up here but they were just too like you know <laughs> stick with the cartoon uh we don't want to be chicken leg Christians. That's what we're saying, okay? We don't want to be chicken leg Christians. We want to love God, we want to grow as disciples holistically. And so we don't want to just have these big heads that are full of Bible and we can memorize hundreds and thousands of verses, but we're a jerk to our family, you got a lot. Of, you got a big old head, but you're a lousy friend. That's not holistic. This guy needs to spend some time on his legs, doesn't he? And all of us, we 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 kind of have a, a a favorite workout that we do. Some of you are like, man, I don't have a favorite workout. What are you talking about? As Christians, we kind of gravitate to what we like or what might be safe or what might feel easy. And what we're saying is that discipleship and growing as disciples is holistic. We don't want to be chicken leg Christians. We want to love God with our mind, but we also want to love God with our heart and through our relationships and through our service, right? So some people... uh, their, their deal is not just, you know, Bible in their heads, the, the heady people. Some people, their deal is being a disciple is all about raising your hands and it's about a worship experience. And that's great to be a worshiper. And it's great to have a lot of Bible in your head, but just don't have chicken legs, right? Right? For some people, uh, being a follower of Jesus is, is all about serving. It's all about getting out there and feeding the poor and, and clothing uh, the homeless and, and being a person out there of service. And, they're man, they're, they're teaching the kids and they're working in the nursery. And, it's, and, and that's where they bulk up. And what we're saying is that our model of discipleship, what we see here in the great commandment, is to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love God completely that there's no area of our life that Jesus doesn't have access to that there's no little s- secret hidden compartment where I don't let the lordship of Jesus reign in my life oh god you can you can have all my time you can I'll even memorize some verses god you can have all my time but just don't get in my wallet okay Careful now, the preacher's talking about money. Or for others, again, God, I'll, I'll serve you and I'll sacrifice, I'll give my money. I just don't want to get close to anybody and really share my heart. Or I'll, I'll, I'll serve you, God, I just don't want to, I'm just not really a Bible student kind of person. I'm just not really that interested in study can't be love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength you got it that's the theme so let me let me summarize this with three statements okay three statements by way of review number one Making disciples is the great commandment, or the great commission, excuse me. Making disciples is the great commission. That's what we're to be about. And love is the greatest commandment. Disciples are those who love God and love others, according to Jesus. And then, thirdly, discipleship and loving God is holistic. He wants every part of us. And he's deserving of every part of us, right? That no little hidden place be outside the Lordship of Jesus. We're about the Great Commission. We're about making disciples who love God and love others. And that discipleship is complete. It's comprehensive. It's holistic. Okay? So let me, in uh, conclusion here, give you some application questions to think about, okay? Three of them here. First of all, uh, what relationships or environments do you need to more intentionally embrace in order to grow as a disciple? What relationships or environments do you need to more intentionally embrace to grow personally as a disciple? To make disciples, we have to be a disciple, right? So think about that. What's a relationship? Maybe it's a discipling relationship. Maybe it's a discipling environment that you need to more intentionally engage in 2020 to grow yourself. Secondly, okay, in what relationships, environments do you need to, more, to be more intentional to disciple others? Who's God put on your mind? Maybe it's, it's a neighbor. Maybe it's someone you work with. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's uh, someone in your small group. But who has God placed in your path that you can help follow Jesus? That's what, we, that's what discipleship is. It's just helping others follow Jesus. Who might that be? I want to give you a moment to think about that. And finally, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal aspects of your life in which you might be resisting discipleship, okay? Like you're starting to look like you got chicken legs. Man, I just don't have a heart for service. Man, I have walled off my wallet from the lordship of jesus man there's this hurt there's this emotional pain there's this stuff this baggage that i have that i haven't wanted to deal with and i need to bring that to the light i need to bring that to the lordship of jesus i'm going to give you just a moment to think about those things as we prepare for the table this morning I want to invite our communion servers to go ahead and come forward and take the elements to your station. You know, a table is a, a table is a picture of fellowship. A table is a picture of friendship and relationship. And Jesus has called us to the table of fellowship. He invited those first followers to join him at the table of fellowship for this Passover meal that would become the Lord's table. It's a picture of loving God, being in relationship with him. And as we come to the table, also, it's a picture of the extent of God's love for us. That Jesus loved us comprehensively. That he didn't hold anything back. That he loved us to death. He loved us with his body and his blood. He shed blood to love us completely. Earlier in this night, he had washed his disciples' feet. Jesus, the Son of God, had, had bent down and washed the dirty feet of disciples. That's incredible love. And then as he gathers at this table with those friends... He says, this bread and this cup represents the, the comprehensive nature of my love for you. That I didn't leave anything out. I loved you to the full. So we come to a savior and love him completely because he first loved us completely. He didn't hold anything back. He loved us with his body and his blood. As he gathered with his friends that night, we read from Matthew's gospel, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing, it broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. you pray with me? Father God, thank you for your incredible love for us that you did not leave this world broken and in the state of rebellion that it is, but you rescued us in Jesus. And that love and that rescue is utterly comprehensive, utterly complete. God, because you loved us so, because Jesus loved us so, we have every reason to trust and every reason to love you in return completely, holistically, fully, God. As we take this bread and this cup, this morning, Holy Spirit, would you renew us? Would you refresh our love? You strengthen us with power, motivate us to love with all our heart, soul, mind and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves and to have the boldness and courage to go and help others follow Jesus as well. We ask it in the beautiful name of Jesus.